Hello, welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Damien. And I'm Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table and discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. Yes, we want Interdependent Study to be a space where we're always learning with one another. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Aaron, my Mm -hmm. friend, you're up this week. Oh, what have you brought to the table today if you're prepared for that? Um, Yes, I I am prepared. Um, Well, if you listened last week, and I don't know why you wouldn't have. Yeah, uh, I I did. (laughs) um, I'm bringing The Rebellious Life of Rosa Parks to the table. Uh, It's a new documentary about her life as a radical organizer uh, who has consistently moved to work for justice throughout her life uh, is great. Uh, it tells stories across her life from her childhood years up until mm-hmm. she died um, back in 2005. Uh, and there are just so many amazing stories from her life that included in the in the documentary um, that I really appreciated learning more about and and, and loved learning more about. Same. Um, yeah. It's it's also remarkable how many really great people there are in oh the my documentary. Gosh, yes. Uh, <laughs> Every moment I was like, oh, it's this person. <laughs> if you look at my notes, it's just the names of people with an exclamation mark next to I them. I love it. Um, that's how I took notes this for this oh, one. Well, this will be a good uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did other things too, but <laughs> that was the funny part. Um, some of our you know, so-called friends of the podcast uh, are in here, like Robin D.G. Kelly, mm-hmm. uh, Brian Stevenson, yes. uh, Ashley Woodard Henderson, from the co-executive director of the Highlander Center, right. um, Barbara Smith, who was in the Combahee River Collective, right. My goodness, Bree Newsom, mm-hmm. um, who climbed the flagpole outside of the South Carolina legislature um, after the shooting at the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church, um, and you know she's done a lot more than that too. Yes. Um, <laughs> As well, uh, but it it was incredible to see all these folks reflecting on uh, the legacy of Rosa Parks and and what that legacy means to them. Yes, um, and you know also teaching us stuff along the way. Too, right, right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, I just thought it was great um, on the whole. Uh, but what stood out to you? Yeah, I think what's awesome is that it also it did all of those things and it helped us to do some reflection work on what her life mm-hmm. means for us and certainly what, you know, lessons we can take from her life and her work um, for um, what we're experiencing now in this country and what we're trying to do. So mm-hmm. and I'm sure we're going to talk about that. But uh, what stood out to me is that this was just an incredible film. I think everyone should take the time to watch it. As you said, it's brand new like I, it's yeah it's a couple weeks old yeah and so it's on peacock i don't know if you mentioned that um mm-hmm. and so uh definitely is a much watch a must watch in my opinion and you know you mentioned all of our podcast friends i immediately um we find out that the film is and, and many of this of rosa park's speeches are narrated by lisa gay hamilton mm-hmm. uh, who is just an incredible actress but i also was like oh my gosh <laughs> she's married to robin dg kelly yeah. uh who we just got to talk about a couple of episodes episodes ago so um and you know like you said there's just so many amazing folks in this film activists and historians and and mm-hmm. folks who are really her family and people really connected to her story and her life and so um uh incredible film i i think the most significant reason for me why this documentary is a must watch is just the level of of detail and mm-hmm. information and history that's shared about her life and her work and 
I don't know. I think there was just mm-hmm. so much about her story, her upbringing, you know, her experiences, her speeches, right? Her beliefs. And yeah. I definitely want to spend some time talking about her beliefs and and certainly the work she did to to fight for social justice that to me is just so inspiring and that was so critical to the successes within the civil rights movement, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the totality of her life and her work and her dedication are incredible. And it's so much more <laughs> than just yeah. what we all know about what she did on that bus that day, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not just the 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 work that she did too, but I think, I mean, sort of watching it, one of my impressions that I got is that she was also teaching people and encouraging people yes. um, to do things as well. And so you you hear about these um, people who were influenced by her work mm-hmm. um, then in, influenced by her yes. in, directly mm-hmm. and then going on to do more. Um, you know, I, I, you know, maybe we'll talk about this, maybe not, but like Nelson Mandela, for example, right. was reading her work while he was, at toward the end of his prison sentence. Ain't that um, wild? Yeah. Like, and then wow. like he came to Detroit after he was uh, uh, released on a sort of tour of the U.S. and ran down, like ran past all these other like VIPs <laughs> um, off the plane, got off the plane, ran past all these other VIPs and was like, Rosa? Yes. Uh, and wanted to talk wow. to her. So, you know, sh- her impact was enormous. Yes. Um and um yeah it's it's remarkable to see all these things um and you know i wanted to speak about somebody who was influenced by rosa parks let's okay. talk about claudette colvin for a minute too ah, yeah um you know she refused to get up from that bus or from her seat on the bus in montgomery nine months before rosa parks did mm-hmm. um and we learn in the film. I didn't know this. Yep, I hadn't same. learned it. Um, she was in Rosa Parks Youth Council in the Montgomery chapter of the NAACP. Right. Um, and, you know, that's incredible. Ultimately, her arrest didn't spur the future bus boycott that happened after Rosa Parks' arrest. And there's a lot of, you know, I think as we look back on it now, strange choices made there. Mm. Um, but um, you think about it. She was in that youth council. So Rosa obviously had a huge influence on Claudette as well. Yes. Uh, and she said in the documentary, this is one of the parts where she was actually quoted, um, that she believed in the young people she was working with in the youth council that they were going to make a difference, mm-hmm. um, that they were going to show up for the for movement. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's amazing. Um, but there's also um, this audio clip of Claudette Colvin talking about her decision to refuse to move from her seat. Uh, and she said, it felt like history was keeping me in my seat. Mm. It felt like Sojourner Truth's hands pushing down on one shoulder and Harriet Tubman's hands pushing me down on another sh- shoulder, um, which is sort of incredible to think about Yeah, sort of the, uh, in, in that moment to think about the ways that people were seeing how they were connected to the legacy of the people who came before them. Yes. Um, and I think that that was, so that was just a, an incredible moment to hear that piece um, from her um, in, in this film. Yeah. I, I was so moved by that. And like you, I didn't know of um, Claudette Colvin's story. Um, and certainly this idea of, I should say really what I mean by that is this idea that she was in Rosa Parks youth council, right. like at all. So yeah. the, the connection there and, um, you know, the sort of mentorship and the um, uh, 
collegiality and the work done there to sort of inspire this young person um, was incredible. And you're right, like this idea of, you know, youth making a difference is something we just talked about in our previous episode, right? Mm -hmm. And we've talked about before, right? Like the just the power that young people have and the energy that they bring to organizing in our movement work and and what is right and what needs to happen yeah. uh, I think was sort of loud and clear um, in in this part of the of the film so yeah. I, I love that and yeah I it, it's it's difficult to fathom the idea of sitting in that in, on that bus seat and thinking about Harriet Tubman and ensure truth like what mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't mm-hmm. I can't imagine that but I but I can in a way when I think about you know, in a small way, I think often about um, the legacy of family members who are gone, right? right. And, and what that means, right? And so, um, but in, in this case, it <laughs> it meant a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm actually really glad you brought that up because one of the things that I really appreciated seeing in this film and, and for sort of my continued learning about Rosa Parks' incredible life um, was not only the way she talked about her own life, but Mm -hmm. the way in which she talked about her family and her husband and her comrades, right? Like the people who influenced and inspired her, the people who challenged her, um, the, the people who pushed her to stand in her beliefs. Right. Um, and so one of those people, when we talk about legacies of family members was her grandmother. Right. And so one of the, you know, there, as you said, there are parts in this film where we hear directly from, Rosa, and mm-hmm. she talked about the ways in which her grandmother taught her grandchildren to act around white people and how she felt a lot of tension with that, right? Because she yeah. felt it, she always felt it was better to speak up in those moments, right? Like that was just a big part of who she was, right? This quiet person who spoke her mind and, and said the radical thing. Um, yeah. I think another example that stood out to me was how she befriended and worked closely with the founders of the RNA, the the Republic of New Africa, um, which was an incredible organization, really, that focused a lot on uh, getting reparations for slavery and for Jim Crow. They did a lot of work around self-defense, right, organizing self-defense strategies for black Mm -hmm. folks, teaching self-defense classes to black folk, um, and then just sort of this work to demand land in the South. And Rosa really admired the RNA's work and their commitment to freedom and so many other sort of freedom fighters as well that we see in, in the film. And all of these folks really helped to shape and hone her voice and her beliefs around the work that needed to happen, um, which I thought was 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 really great to sort of see in the way in which this film takes us on that journey. And and then, of course, there's her husband and um, her friend, Johnny Carr, who uh, got her to attend her very first NAACP meeting where she became an immediate leader within that organization. Right. And how that the worked. Secretary the secretary was absent. The so secretary was absent. took notes. She stepped in <laughs> yeah. and boom, there you are, right? And um, how sort of her time, her tenure... Um, in on that in that organization as a leader there pushed her to fight for voting rights for herself and for black people in this country and and all of the work she then did subsequently right and mm-hmm. so there were just so many stories like all the folks i mentioned like Claudette Colvin that you mentioned that were in her life and uh, in her fight uh, that were incredible to learn about and to see what those relationships meant to her mm-hmm. uh, and to her work yeah yeah, that that central piece of um, seeing how important those relationships are in, I think, really highlights how important it is in organizing. Yes, right? like uh, how yes. important it is to know 
the people that you're working and fighting with alongside. Um, and um, I think that gives you like a foundation to continue moving forward um, in a lot of ways. And so, yeah, that was, um, that was great to see throughout the film. Too. Yeah. Was, yeah. Um, and so one of the things that is maybe connected to that. Okay. Um, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but this story about Rosa Parks um, and Joanne Little. Ah. Um, so Joanne Little was imprisoned in Beaufort County Jail in North Carolina. Um, and a prison guard attempted to rape her. Um, in the process of fighting back against that assault... Um, Joanne killed that prison guard. Yes. Um, and, and it was well known that this prison guard was doing that. To yes. A, lots of women who were imprisoned in that, in that jail, in that right. county in, in North Carolina. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was, um, as you said, uh, this was a reputation that yes. this guard had. Um, and so she was then charged with murder. Um, I think in the first degree, um, and so the story about this sort of spread yes. um, across the country. And Rosa Parks formed a local chapter of the Joanne Little Defense Committee to advocate for her to be um, released. Uh, and I think at, at that point it was um, sort of working through the trial and creating sort of awareness of the trial and that she should be acquitted yes. um, of the charges. Uh, and she had moved to Detroit at this point. And so she was doing this work from Detroit. Right. Um, and... You know, not that Rosa Parks can take full credit for this necessarily, <laughs> but Joanne ended up being acquitted, and she was the first woman to be acquitted of murder in the self-defense against a sexual assault. That's the first woman ever. Wow. Um, yeah. I believe that's in the U.S. Yeah. Um, but that's huge. Um, and Rosa Parks was involved in that. Um, and I think it's another example of how she kept fighting the good fight throughout her life. Yes. Um, and how her you know, the concepts of, of what we consider to be that fight change over time. Mm -hmm. You evolve, you grow, um, and you find yourself in new spaces to continue that fight. I, I love that. I love that so much. This idea of fighting the good fight. Um, and I talked about this a little bit earlier, like there was something about the way this film showcased and just, you know, who she is, um, her beliefs and her vision mm -hmm. for always doing what she felt was right was really um, a huge takeaway for me from this film and sort of her work. I, it was so inspiring. You know, um, you know, there was a part of this film, I think, right before we learn about um, Joanne Little's case and, and Rose's work uh, with her and with that case. Um, where Rosa, we hear Rosa talk about her commitment to writing and sharing the stories of crimes committed against black people uh, because she often felt, Rosa Parks often felt that people weren't reacting the way she thought they should be, right. uh, the way that they should be in situations of injustice, right? And um, we, we also heard her talk loud and clear about the ways in which she felt that we shouldn't accept <laughs> the ways in which black people were being treated in this country. Like she, yeah. she stood, stood firm in that belief. Right. Um, and there's so much about all of that. Um, and in particular, when I think about, um, not only did she sort of stand in that, did she talk the talk, but she walked the walk, right? Or mm -hmm. however you want to say mm -hmm. that, right? Like she put herself at risk to do this work, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so you talked about Joanne Little's case. There was also Reese Taylor in Alabama. Yep. Um, like the ways in which she fought for these women and she stood um, 
for what was right. Um, and there's, it showed tremendous bravery to me, yeah. right? And um, it's a reminder about, unfortunately, I think what it sometimes takes to make the change we need to see happen, right? That you literally have to put yourself on the line. Yeah. Um, and especially given the time that we're talking about and she's a black woman and, you know, uh, things aren't great, uh, right? right? Like yep. um, it takes this tremendous fortitude and bravery to, to put yourself out there and to fight that good fight. And to me, again, that just came across loud loud and clear and sort of um, who she was and what she believed in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to shift us to application because I think my application ties pretty well into oh, this. Actually. All right. Yeah. Um, so how do we, how do we see this applying to our day-to-day lives? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's Rosa Parks <laughs> and we've been talking about her. Uh, she's incredible. Her work and legacy are incredible. Yes. Um, she has, um, along with other people, completely changed what we consider the United States to be. Yes. Wow. Yes. Um, and so what I want to talk about, though, is that she continued to learn and find different organizing spaces to work in throughout her life. And so yes. I kind of already alluded to this a little bit with her sort of evolution um, in, in her life. But mm-hmm. as you said, she supported the Republican New Africa um, and in, in some really tough times. Um, and she supported Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Mm. And she saw all of these different pieces and more Republican new Africa, um, you know, as a sort of descendant from Malcolm X and Martin Luther King in different ways. She saw it all as interconnected. Yes. Um, as all as part of the same kind of ecosystem for liberation and self-determination of black folks. But I also think it was bigger than that too. Yes. Of it's not, you know, she talks about going to the Highlander Center and and finding and forging new um, allyships. I guess yeah. that doesn't feel like quite an, the strong enough word that that I'm really trying to get to. Uh, but forging these new kind of ideas and allyships with people across race yep. um, and across class to like fight for the world that we deserve. Yes, and I think that that's really what. Um, I don't. I, I. I feel like that's what she was doing constantly in her life. Yeah. Um. And the stories about that are are clear throughout this documentary. Absolutely. I love that. There's there's just a a sheer brilliance to me in the ways in which um she did that work and it wasn't um it it it, it wasn't it's certainly intellectual in that way but it was mm-hmm. so. Um, it, it was also about this interconnectedness that she felt and she mm-hmm. experienced and she saw all of that and she wanted to continue to, as you say, sort of fight for the world that we believe in and, um, you know, uh, advocate for um, all kinds of issues. And I think for me, that's the application that part of the application that I take from this film and, and her work and thinking about our present day, right? Like mm-hmm. she was committed to so many issues. Um, and so many of those issues are issues that we're still grappling with today, right? Yeah. You know, she was committed to fighting injustices and and dismantling systems like the patriarchy in order to have a more just society f- for black people and, and for everyone really. Um, yep. And so I, I think 
uh, one of the notes I jotted down when I when I started to think about application was something that she shared in one of her speeches about her beliefs and what she was fighting for. You know, she talked about how important it was to, as you said earlier, fight the good fight against anything that made folks out to be less than human. Yes. Right. And how the work she was committed to was a fight against wrong versus right. Right. Mm-hmm. And 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 honestly, I think those those statements are so moving just given all that we now we know about her and her work uh, but they compel me to stay committed to having these conversations that you and I have right here right to engage yeah. in the work that we do outside of this table to support the leaders who are advocating and fighting for the laws and the policies and the systems and the solutions uh, that we know that we need, right? I think there was something so incredible about her steadfastness in her beliefs and what she was fighting for. That to me is the absolute um, textbook definition of of the application we need. Mm, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I love it. Um, and I, I think one of the things that she said, like you talked about how um, she, we're still fighting a lot of the things that she was fighting. Yeah. Like with the, 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 um, it's connected, right? Like today is connected to what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I, I took a note on is in 1967. Okay. She said, time is running out for a peaceful solution. It may even be too late to save our society from total destruction. Mm. And it makes me think about sort of these bleak places that I go when I think about sort of the state of things currently, um, but also finding hope in the work. Yes. Uh, and hope in the people, hope in the comrades, hope in the relationships that you have. And I think that's that's part of, I think, what you're saying of like staying in these conversations yep. and also us finding like finding the work and finding how we move forward through that too, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. You said 1967. Yeah, she said in 67. <laughs> so I saw it on the screen and I had to pause it. I was like, 67, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. About that. All right. Well, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about homework. Right. Uh, how do we continue to learn about Rosa Parks' life and legacy after our conversation today? Uh, the documentary is based on a book um, of this by the same name, um, written by um, Jean Theo Harris uh, and who was also featured uh, as a, yes. as a historian in the documentary, which it makes sense. Um, if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, the person who wrote the book, they should be in the documentary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Uh, so I, I think it'd be great to dive into the book and learn even more about her life because um, I'm sure like you can't cover everything. This no. is an hour and a half long documentary. Right. And the book is 300 pages. Okay. I was um, about to ask how long is the book. Yeah. You know? Okay. So yeah, um, it's almost three. It's about 300 pages. Okay. Um, so, one let's, one let's piece of that. homework. Yeah. Um, another piece is I want to talk about what um, Ashley Woodard Henderson shared um, that she believes if we fully understood how the Montgomery bus boycott operated, um, which Rosa was obviously instrumental in. Yes. Um, then we could win everything. She said that, right? She said, she said we could win everything. everything. Yes, I remember um, that. Which I wholeheartedly agree with yeah like imagine if because so in the the sort of middle part of the documentary there's quite a lot of time spent on the bus boycott which makes sense yeah um but there's so much 
of the story about it that's shared that I don't think we all learn. Yeah. Um, but imagine if we could replicate that energy, organization, commitment everywhere. Yes. Um, you know, the hours after Rosa was arrested, there was a woman who was working with the NAACP. She printed out, she say, 30,000 leaflets mm -hmm. to distribute to Montgomery yep. about a meeting that would happen two days later. Yeah. In which hundreds of people came, hundreds of black folks came, yep. filled up the church, and then voted on the bus boycott unanimously. Yep. Um, recognizing what impact that would have on them personally and collectively. Yeah. But also seeing the hope against like the, the, the current situation, which probably appeared hopeless. Yeah. Um, so just thinking about like the the foundation you have to lay to get to that point to then start that action yes. and then support all of the people. They had people, um, you know, using their personal cars Caravaning folks. As, yeah. as taxis, right, for mm -hmm. people. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, Ashley Woodard Henderson is 100% right. If we understood how all that worked and we could find ways to replicate that in our own ways, you know, and you have to modify things to fit it into different campaigns and whatever. I, if we knew how to do that, we as a people could win all of us. We could win everything that we need. I love that. Well, and there's so much about, uh, you know, if we were to examine that boycott and that organizing, um, you know, there's other elements of that too. You talked about some of it, but right, like the work you have to do, as you say, to bring people along, the work you have to do to continually support people, to remind them of why we're doing this, to remind them of where yeah. we were, um, what other hardships we've experienced and we've gotten through those, right? Um, I mean, there was so much in that, I don't know, 20 minute part of the, the film that just was wild. And so, and that, that struck me too, when she mm -hmm. said we could win everything and i was like yeah. oh boy yeah we could we mm -hmm. could so i love that that's that's good homework so yeah reading the book um and really sort of diving more into the montgomery bus boycott would be great there are so many as you mentioned great folks featured in this film um one of them was a former director of the rosa parks museum down in montgomery alabama and so um you know i did a little googling and as I said, in Montgomery, Alabama, uh, why not take a trip down there and see that museum and mm -hmm. learn from the exhibits there in an up close and personal way to learn more about Rosa Parks and her life? Um, you know, we can read the book and go on down. Yeah. Uh, but while I, another thing that happened while I was sort of Googling the museum and looking it up, I also found the Civil Rights Trail website. And mm -hmm. so I also wanted to share that. Um, if folks are interested and want to check it out, it's civilrightstrail.com. And it looks to be a really cool, informative, interactive website where you can learn more about the timeline and important destinations throughout the entire civil rights movement in this country. Um, and you can even plan, you know, plan your trip to see some of the destinations because there, you know, is information and important things to see and do um, on each page, which is each destination. Um, so um, I only just found that today. And so I want to spend some more time with that website, see what additional learning I could do. But um, yeah, those are some of the things I'm thinking about for homework. Yeah. Well, that sounds great. Uh, both the, the Civil Rights Trail and the, the Rosa Parks Museum. 
um, we got a couple of like we got a couple of places to go. We got a couple of location based things now on the homework list. I think uh, we have to uh, figure out a way to take this on, uh, take the recording on the road. Yeah, <laughs> could you yeah. imagine us recording yeah. from the Rosa Parks Museum? Maybe outside. I don't know. We got probably got to give permission for that. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll have to talk <laughs> talk to them. I don't know. Uh, um, love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. So. Damien, you're up next time. What do you bring to the table in our next episode? I am. You know, I am. I'm still stuck on uh, this idea that we're in midterm election season, mm-hmm. so we're going back to it in a in a in a way. Um, this I found an article for us that I'm going to bring to the table. It's called "Republicans in Midterm Races Are Embracing Anti-Trans Rhetoric Like Never Before," um, and it's by Orion Rumler. Hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly. Um, and it was published by the 19th, which is an independent nonprofit newsroom that does a lot of reporting on issues related to gender politics and policy. Um, And I had never heard of the 19th (laughs) before stumbling upon this piece. And so um, I'm excited to sort of amplify them and share them. Uh, If folks want to find them and find this article, of course, their website is 19th, so 19thnews.org. And certainly by the time I think this episode, uh, so 87, this episode where we'll talk about this article will come out we'll probably know the vast majority of the results of the midterm elections. Um, But I still think it's important to know what is happening, to know Mm -hmm. what folks on our ballots are saying. um, And certainly, you know, as it, as it relates to this anti-trans rhetoric, there's a lot of, a lot of it out there that I don't think across the country, I don't know the full scope of what's being said, what's being shared. And um, so I want us to sort of explore that, um, partially because, you know, we know the power of rhetoric, right? We've mm. talked about mm. that here uh, on the podcast before, and it has, you know, it can have a tremendous impact, and it may have an impact on some of our elections. We'll see, right? So yeah. uh, I, I'm excited to to read this piece, to learn more, to think about the implications, um, you know, of this nonsense, and certainly what it means for us, um, and, and what it might mean for our society. So yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of this happening um, more frequently, more publicly. Yes. Um, that's, the piece. that's, that's the piece that I'm, I'm feeling. Um, and, you know, I don't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast before or not, but a few months ago, maybe it was more than a year ago now. Okay. Um, somebody, uh, was doing research on, um, TikTok and the, their kind of algorithm. Mm. Um, and so they started a brand new account, not connected to anything that they do. They followed a bunch of anti-trans, or people who are who are known to say things um, that are anti-trans, uh, they follow those accounts, interacted with that content um, within four hours of content. Um, they were seeing openly white supremacist and and uh, fascist content, um, and so there's a at least on TikTok, um, but I think also that is just you know. These sites are reflective of the society they exist within. Yes, right? absolutely. They're basically mirrors. Um, there is a through line from anti-trans rhetoric to fascist rhetoric. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's not that long. It's not that convoluted of a line. Um, and so I think it's important to to recognize that piece and to recognize that, um, you know, all of this, all of these pieces are are connected to one another. Um, and so it's, I think it's important that we talk about this and, and 
and focus on it because even though we'll know the results of the elections when we talk about this it's like, out there yeah it's um, out there it's out there and it's shaping a lot of what um the public conversations are absolutely things well hey hey you save yeah. some of that for next yeah. week that's mm-hmm. really good stuff and i can't remember if you talked about that here on the podcast but you and i have had that conversation yeah. so i mean mm-hmm. our world is blending <laughs> i could right. have been here at the table but i kind of vaguely remember us sitting out on the deck talking yeah, about yeah, that yeah. and yeah. i was fascinated by that i also yeah. can't believe that that was maybe a year ago that you talked about that yeah, so um what is what time <laughs> it's a blur that's yeah. what time is absolutely um, Yes. All right. Well, we want to thank you so much for joining us today and for listening to Interdependent Study. You know what I'm going to ask you to do, but in case you forgot, please follow, leave a rating and review. Share our podcast with the people in your life, all of them. Uh, Follow us on social media. Sign up for our email list to get notified about any new things we have going on behind the scenes. Thank you so much for listening, folks. And remember, it's not about us, but it is about us. We'll talk to you next time.